Grace to you and peace from God our Father and his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a seat. So every so often, something happens that's so epically important or memorable that the event gets its own name, sometimes even in capital letters. It doesn't have to be a huge event to other people. In my family, when we talk about the camping trip, my kids know it doesn't mean any of the campouts they went on with the Y guides or their school trips. It refers to an epic night in the pouring rain with thunder and lightning, gale force winds, and raccoons the size of dogs trying to get into our tent. <laughs> yeah, that was the camping trip. Capital C, capital T. The one that I took the kids on alone. <laughs> and the one that convinced all three of us that we will never, ever, ever camp again. That was a turning point. Every family has these epic moments. So do churches and commonwealths and countries, and so do religions. You know something's big and important when the faithful have a name for it. When you mention the binding in Hebrew, akedat, Jews know you're talking about the binding of Isaac and his near-miss sacrifice. Certainly other things were bound in Hebrew scripture, but the binding, that's Abraham and Isaac. The hijra in Islam isn't just any migration, which is what hijra means, it's the flight of the prophet Muhammad and his followers from Mecca to Medina, which we just learned about in adult form. So the fact that we have a name for what happened in today's gospel, the transfiguration, tells you right then and there, it's a big deal. Luke didn't call it the transfiguration, neither did Matthew or Mark, who also recount this story. That's just what later Christians came to call it as shorthand reference to something so epic it needed a name. Jesus goes up a mountain to pray and his face changes and his clothes become dazzling white. This is not just a tasteful vampire glitter. This is dazzling. The word in Hebrew is used to describe lightning. Then Moses and Elijah get in on the action, and finally a cloud comes down, just like on Mount Sinai. And God Almighty talks to the disciples. And what does God say? This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. God did not say, obey him, nor did God say worship him. God did not tell us to respect or defend or quote or praise or glorify or bless or fear or even love Jesus. God did not tell us to pray to him, kneel before him, sing songs about him, choose him or befriend him. God said, listen to him. When Moses went up a mountain into the clouds, he came down with 10 commandments given to him by God. When the three disciples and Jesus went up a mountain into the clouds, they came down with one commandment given by God. This is my son. Listen to him. Now, as David Urian called attention to last week, lately the gospel has set out some pretty straightforward imperatives, easy to parse instructions like love your enemies, give to everyone who asks, forgive people, don't judge. None of these are particularly nuanced. Neither is today's instruction. Listen to Jesus. And that one comes straight from God. So how do we do that? How do you listen to Jesus? This is not a one-size-fits-all answer. Some people can go to a mountaintop or out to the desert. 
or swim to the middle of Walden Pond. I saw somebody out there with a sled this morning. Seems dangerous to me. Someplace hard to get to that clears your mind by the sheer physical burden of getting there, followed by the awesomeness of its beauty. And something about that experience enables those people to connect with the Lord. Other people immerse themselves in more human beauty, music or art, even song. They engage with something that ignites their soul, and they're transported into the spiritual realm where they can hear Jesus in some way. But I want to offer another way of listening to Jesus, and it's a kind of crazy thought for an Episcopalian, but here you go. You could open the Bible and read what Jesus said. I know, I've told you this before, but guess what? I'm going to tell you again, too, because sometimes people space out during sermons and they miss stuff, or sometimes they go on vacations to warm places without snow. It's been known to happen. <clears throat> so I'm saying it again. You can read what Jesus said in the Bible. I think sometimes we complicate things unnecessarily. God told us to listen to Jesus. Okay, then open the book and read what Jesus said. Or download a Bible app, and you can literally listen to the words Jesus said. I know some of you are squirming at that thought. You know, we're brainiac Episcopalians. Bible reading is for fundamentalists. Well, here's what you need to know about that. The Bible does not belong to fundamentalists. You're allowed to read it, too. In fact, if you are an agnostic-adjacent, screaming liberal Episcopal church-attending Christian, you may need to read the Bible more than our literalist brethren. Seriously, it makes no sense to say we're too open-minded to read the Bible. So go find that Bible your grandma bequeathed you, and this Lent, you can dare to be that person, the one reading the Bible on the train or at lunch. And if that's just too weird, then read it when you get home. Or like I said, download one of the gazillion Bible apps available online and listen to it on headphones. You can, some of them, you can even pick what accent they have. Some of the apps are set to music. The point is, find out for yourself what Jesus said, because let's be real, it's pretty rare that God speaks out of a cloud with direct instructions. He or she is usually way more enigmatic than that. So the fact that God gave an easy-to-understand direct order to Jesus' followers, that's kind of a biggie. Such a biggie that it got its own name, with capital letters, The Transfiguration. But the point of The Transfiguration isn't the blinding color of Jesus' clothes. It's what that signified, God's presence. God was present on that mountain, frightening the daylights out of those poor mortals who were up there, but leaving them with one very, very clear instruction. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Well, if you're going to do that, there are only four books where you can find the words of Jesus. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So not even the whole Bible, just the Gospels. Read them. If you've already read them, read them again. Or read them in a different version. There are whole bunches of them online. Thomas and Stephen were looking at a site with 59 English translations. With a click of the mouse, you go from God saying, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him, to God saying, this is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen and obey and yield to him. That's the amplified Bible version. Check it out. See what you think. Or bust out your highlighter on the Bible you have at home and mark the words. Only if it's yours. Kids, do not mark up grandma's Bible. The point is, 
God gave you a brain. Use it. If God thinks we should listen to his son, then we should listen to his son. It's not that we shouldn't do all those other things, worship and adore and praise Jesus, but the takeaway from the transfiguration is don't forget to listen to Jesus. Jesus said some incredible, life-changing things. Find out what they are. Listen to him. Amen.